Before bed, I, like many of you, uh, like to read a little ancient Greek poetry. <laughs> the other night, yeah, let that sink in just for a second. The other night, I was reading Homer's um, The Iliad. By the way, this isn't the Homer that wrote it, uh, so it's the other Homer. So in the Iliad, the story is basically, you may have heard of some of these names. There was um, uh, a warrior by the name of Achilles, and Achilles has, is nearly indestructible. And he's a valiant warrior, and there's a guy named Hector, and he's about to go into battle with Achilles. So he has his battle armor on, he has his mask and his sword and everything, and he goes into his house, he's ready for battle, and he's ready to leave, and he goes into his house and he wants to um, embrace his young, young son uh, before he leaves. Because when you go off to battle, you never know if you're coming back. And by the way, in this particular story, he doesn't come back. This is his last time at home. So he goes in to see his young son. This young son's name was... Ask something, uh, Astinax, anybody know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, so uh, he goes in to see his son. The kid is scared out of his mind because his dad Hector is in full battle armor. And Hector kind of laughs and he takes off his helmet and the boy recognizes him and they embrace. Today's uh, text, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3, we're going to be in, in verse 21 is a little like that. It's almost like a reveal. There is, we've been looking at, for the first two and a half chapters, three chapters, we've been looking at our problem of sin, and we got a big problem with sin, and now all of a sudden it gets to where Paul says, there's, here's the good news. Many uh, theologians believe that this particular paragraph, well, Leon Morris, who's a great theologian, said, this is perhaps the most important paragraph ever written. <laughs> So we're dealing with, um, with really important things today. So let's just start. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets of long ago. Now, whenever you see uh, in, in Scripture, a couple of words you want to look out for. If it says, therefore... You want to see what it's there for. There, you know, it's like there was this, but therefore th that happened, and therefore this is the result. When you see the word but, it's kind of the same thing. There, there was this, but now there's something else. Uh, when you see the word but, you're, you're, it needs to be like, okay, the, the, the alarms go off. Guys, this is like when your wife says, we need to talk. Uh, this is that kind of language. It's like, okay, I really, really need to pay attention. And Paul has been building this case, and he's saying, okay, we're all, we're all in trouble because we're all sinners, but now God is doing something else. And this is, this is the connection of every great comeback story. You know, uh, I, I was an addict, but now I've overcome my addiction. Or we were in debt, but now we're debt-free. Or uh, our neighbors used to be so loud, but now... After we call the police, uh, they're very quiet. So th this is like this big swinging door. There's a transition that Paul is about to make. And he introduces these huge concepts in this paragraph. Now I'm going to show you these words. And if you've been in church a long time, you might know them, but it might be intimidating. So just, I want you to not be scared. All right? Today we're going to talk about justification. Next week we're going to talk about redemption and atonement. 
I will do my very best to make it understandable. I promise. It's like when you go to a lawyer and they use language you don't know, or a doctor. <laughs> you know, I had a heart attack one time and the doctor said, you're having a cardiac event. It's like, okay, well, is that like a heart attack? Because I, I know one language, but other language I don't know. And so some of this language might not be familiar, but I hope that we can make it make sense. So at the beginning of this paragraph, what is considered by some the most important paragraph ever written, he explains salvation. So if you've ever wondered, what exactly does it mean to be saved? Well, Paul explains it in this particular chapter. He says, okay, well, number one, you need to understand it's God's idea, but now God has shown us the way. We've talked about this before. Religion is man's attempt, humanity's attempt to reach God. But that's not how it works. So this was God's idea. Now God has shown us a way. It's not something that we discovered. We didn't make it up. But God has revealed it to us, and He's showing us a way. It isn't earned without keeping the requirements of the law. Now, let me... Uh, I'm going to go off on a little tangent just for a second. Sometimes in an effort to be snarky, you'll see a post... And it'll say, you know, do Christians still believe you can't uh, have wool and cotton mixed? Because there's a law in the Old Testament that says you shouldn't mix cotton in different fabrics, or uh, you shouldn't eat the shellfish, that kind of thing. There are three kinds of law in the Old Testament. There's civil law, and that's dietary stuff. And that was for the nation of Israel. And that would be boundary stones, you know, where, how do you set up boundary stones, and how do you settle a dispute among the community... And those really aren't applicable to us because they, they were for the Jews then. Now you have ceremonial law, and those, that was for the Jews to establish things like um, feasts and fasts and those sorts of things. And while the Bible is really clear that we don't have to become Jews in order to become Christians, these ceremonial laws are interesting, but they're not binding to us. Then you have moral laws, Ten Commandments, sexual ethic, that sort of thing, and those are still applicable to us. But even so, Paul had just said, he's like, okay, God has shown us a way, and it's not by winning God's favor by keeping the laws, any of the laws. Now, once we come to follow Jesus, we'll want to obey the moral laws. It just makes sense. We want to be like He is. The Bible says, be holy like I'm holy. So... The way to do that is to keep the moral laws. But sometimes people confuse, like, all of these are the same. Well, they're not all the same. They're different. So you just got to have to know that. Something else, it's not new. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So this part of my Bible right here is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus. And... This isn't a new message. The whole Bible talks about this, this salvation that's coming. And there's a picture of it. In fact, there are pictures of it. And one of the pictures is offering animal sacrifice. And the picture was, okay, there has to be a shedding of blood in order for there to be a forgiveness of sins. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Why did it have to be that way? Well, there's a reason, and I'll tell you in just a second. All right, so it's not new. It's God-inspired. You don't earn it. It's given through faith. This righteousness is given through faith. And faith is placing your, your trust in something. In fact, 
Religions can be summed up, other religions can be summed up with, I've got to do something in order to win God's favor. Christianity is, I have to have faith that Jesus did something for me, and I don't have to win God's favor. I've already won God's favor. That's the difference. People will say, I don't have enough faith. Well, <laughs> it's not the amount of faith, it's the object of your faith. It's all that really counts. So, uh, a couple of Christmases ago, uh, our daughters bought us some of those hanging rope swings. You know what I'm talking about? They, they hang and, and then they have their, like a bar and then, and then you, know, you have a seat and you sit in them. That's what a seat is. Uh, and you sit in them. They're made out of rope. It's a great gift if you have a stand for these, which we didn't. Thanks, girls. Uh, so uh, we had to buy these, these, these stands, you know. So the stands have these big feet, and they kind of go like this, and you put your rope swing on there, and you sit in them, and they are brutally uncomfortable. Uh, it's like, <sighs> I just spent a ton of money buying a stinking stand uh, that for seats I hate. But I sat in them a little bit, and they're kind of fun outside. You kind of swing around, and it's not bad. And then one day, I sat in my rope swing, and it broke had nothing to do with my girth, although I know some of you are thinking that. And I mean, it, what it should have done is broke slowly. <laughs> that would have been the friendly thing to do. It didn't break slowly. It gave way. Uh, it's like, okay, I'm sitting, now I'm on the ground. It's, it was like really instantaneous, okay? I hated that. Now, it hurts. It hurt a lot. And sometimes you put your faith in things and that lets you down. But here's what I know about that situation. It didn't keep me from ever sitting again. I still sit. I'm kind of known for sitting. Uh, you know, I, I kind of sit all the time. It's okay for me to sit. And so I put my faith in something that let me down, but not all chairs let me down. Sometimes people will let you down. Or you think God should do something that He doesn't do. And maybe you feel like God has let you down. Well, we don't know everything. And sometimes we just sort of have to go, okay, I don't understand that, but I'm still going to have faith. So he's saying it's, it's, it's a matter, matter of faith. It's to anybody, everybody who will believe, to all who will believe. Now, this is the one condition. You have to believe. Salvation is available to Everybody, all 8 billion people on this planet, 8 billion plus. But you have to do something. You have to believe. There's an element you're responsible for. Now we're getting into, kind of, this is all preliminary. Now we're going to get into the kind of the meat. For all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. We need salvation. It's, it's needed. And... These two verbs, this translated in more words than just one, but these are two verbs in the Greek. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. In two different tenses, all right? All have sinned, that's past tense. Um, fall short of the glory of God, that is present tense. And these are athletic terms, really interesting. So all have sinned is an archery term. I'm not an archer, but from what I've seen, you, you have a target, and you have an arrow, and you have a bow, and you pull the, the string back on your bow, and you put the arrow in there, and you shoot it. And the object is to hit the target. And if you miss the target, well, that's all have sinned. That's missing the target. 
The fall short is if you're running a race and you give out, you can't finish. <laughs> this would be me running, I was going to say a marathon, pretty much me running any race. Uh, uh, I wouldn't finish. I, I, I could start. I could get <laughs> a couple hundred yards. Uh, unless it's 100 yards, then I might be able to finish. But most races, I'm not going to finish. Th th that's the idea. Uh, you, we, we fall short. All right, I've got a great illustration for this. Let's say we all rally, we get a couple of buses, we go to uh, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is a few hours away. I don't, I don't go very often. What, 12, 22? I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, it's that direction or some other direction. And we all get in buses and we go to Myrtle Beach. And, we, and God is there, which would be really cool. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. You can earn your salvation. I can give you, I will give you a get out of hell free card if you can jump from here to Europe. Now, I'm looking at this audience. Mm. Yeah, we're in trouble. Uh, we are in trouble. Yeah, I, we can't make that. In fact, the longest broad jump that's ever been done was a guy named Mike Powell, and he jumped 29 feet 4 inches and something. 29 feet. It's the longest ever. So we could build a ramp for Mike Powell. He's 60. He probably can't go as far anymore. But um, uh, well, none of us... Look, I've got holy hops because I'm a preacher. Uh, I can do it, but I can't do that. Holy hops. That's funny. Uh, so I, I worked on that all week and nobody even giggled. Holy hops. Aaron, where are you? That's funny. I, I don't know. Uh, so the point about that whole verse, all have sinned, all have fall, all fall short because none of us can do it. it. It is so remarkably difficult because perfection is the standard and we just can't do it. It's impossible. That's what he's saying. Nobody is perfect. And so the point is, look, we're in really big trouble. We've been talking about this. But now God has made a way. It's not about the law. It's God's initiative. Can't earn it. But it's possible to, to be saved, which is really, really important. Now, he uses the language, the glory of God which is not language we use very often. What does it mean, the glory of God? I think it means, at least in my mind, the way it was when God created the earth. So I got a new phone the other day, and from what I understand, you're supposed to, like, you can sell the old phone or you can do something, but when you, when you, when you turn it in, you're supposed to return to factory setting. You're supposed to, so if, if your phone gets, uh, you know, corrupted or your computer, you can return to factory setting. That, that sets everything right the way it used to be. And I, I've really never thought about it. But it's like, that's brilliant. And I wonder if that's what the new heaven and the new earth is. If, if that's God hitting the reset button, like everything is perfect the way it was before sin entered the world like a perfect environment and perfect food and perfect relationships maybe that's and, and perfect bodies maybe that's what heaven is it's the total complete reset 
And so the glory of God, we fall short of it because we have a corrupted spirit. We, we, we have sin. And then something else about salvation. It's not deserved. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Don't worry about redemption today. We'll talk about it next week. Freely is without cause. There's just no cause. You, 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 you're justified, but there's really no reason. All right? Okay, so, so I've wondered about this. Why did God choose Abram to be His chosen people? Why did God do that? Let me show you something. For you are God's... This is God speaking to the Jews. You are, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possessions. And you would expect the very next verse would say, because you are a kind and generous people, or because you are a mighty warring people, or because you are uh, an obedient people, I mean, that would make sense. I chose you because you are mighty and powerful and big and strong, and that makes sense. But it, <laughs> the next verse, the Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. In fact, you are the fewest of all people. But there is a reason. But it was because the Lord loved you. And here's the message of this particular section of Scripture. God chose you too because He loves you. Back in the 80s, there was a book that came out by a guy named Thomas Harris. It was called, I'm Okay, You're Okay. That was the name of the book. And the premise was basically this. He says, all right, every relationship can be like this. I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay, you're not okay. I'm not okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. A lot of okays. And he's like, okay, well, let's just, let's just live like I'm okay and you're okay. The problem is I'm not okay. And you're not okay. But with Jesus, we can be okay. This is the message Paul is giving in this particular text. Now, he uses this word justified. Not a word we typically use. It's a legal term. It means to be declared not guilty. Like in court, if the, if the judge bangs the gavel and says, not guilty. And when I was a kid, I learned it like this. My preacher did it like this, and I've, it's always stuck with me. The word justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. And I can remember, man, I'm not very smart, but I can remember that. Justification means it's just as if I'd never sinned. It's not just being acquitted. It's being like your, your record is wiped clean. It, it's more than forgiveness. It's, it's your record now has been expunged. I love that word. Uh, it's, it's just not there anymore, which is awesome. So, how are we justified? Well, by grace, and all, of, uh, and all are justified freely by His grace. Grace is a free gift. Uh, the Greek word is charis. You see the word charity in there, uh, charismatic. 
Sometimes we think about somebody being charismatic, they're flamboyant or uh, they're kind of got a, a big energy to them. But really, uh, charismatic simply means they're full of grace. They're, they're just filled with grace. And Paul uses this word over a hundred times in his letter. He loves this word. A synonym would be favored or blessed. And so the message of this paragraph is, God's glory is a target I can't hit, I can never hit, and God's grace is a gift I can never earn. It's really, really important for us to get this. But we are so skeptical. Americans, look... We have a saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Grace is free. Well, we don't believe it because there's always a catch. I don't, I'm not going to ask for any hands. I'll raise my hand on this. I have been to one of those timeshare things where they offer you a free gift. And the free gift is, you know, uh, you get to stay for a weekend. Or you, you, know, you, you get tickets to Disney. Or you can ride on the space shuttle. I, I don't know, whatever it is. Well, one time, Miriam and I have done this six times because we ain't buying jack nothing. So, if you, have, you, have you ever been in there? They have a light. You know, it's like, it's like the FBI is interrogating you. It's horrible. And so, last time we did one, I think, our, I think we're on a list now. They won't, they won't send us anymore. But we got free tickets to Disney. It's like, okay. So, I grab the tickets and I say to the guy behind the counter, I'm taking these tickets, and we're going to enjoy them. And we'll come to that stupid thing, but I guarantee you we're not buying anything because we've been to five of these. Oh, well, uh, this will be, be good for you. It's like, okay, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I'm not buying. Okay, no, you should come. You should just come. Like, okay. If anybody's ever been there, this is how it goes. Think about how much money you spend on vacation every year. Do you spend $1,000, $2,000, $3,000? We can save you lots of money. Well, at this point, Miriam and I, our vacation consisted of going and visiting her parents and going and visiting my parents. You know what that costs? Nothing. I don't even pay for food. I mean, you know, it's like daddy would give me $100 gas money. I, I didn't pay for anything. So at this point, we kind of giggle and say, we don't, we don't go on vacation. Well, don't you think that would be good for your family? No, we hate our family. I mean, I don't know. I was like, what, what do you want from me, man? We're not going to buy this. <laughs> then they pull the... Now, I shouldn't be telling you this. I love, I love it when every one of them does this. Hey, psst, come here. So this little old lady just sold hers back to us. We can give it to you for a third. To which I say, you could give it to me for free. And I don't want it. They were so mad the last time. You're wasting our time. It's like, I told the guy I was going to waste your time. I told him. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. But we are so jaded because nothing is free. They said, sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes you get something for nothing. I've got a sweet cousin of mine, and I attended a, 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 her dad's funeral, and then the last time I was up, I attended her mom's funeral. And in fact, I conducted her mom's funeral. And she said, I, I want to give you something. I want to give you something from, from the family. It's like, okay. And she had my, my grandfather's old double-barrel shotgun. And she said, I want to give you the shotgun. 
Like, oh, great. So she just gave it to me. It was like, no, there were no strings attached. There are t- that's grace. It's, it's kind of hers. But she didn't want to, you know, didn't want to do anything with it. She, she gave it to me. Sometimes there are gifts that are just grace gifts. So this is by grace. God's glory is a target I can't hit. And grace is a gift I can't earn. But it is a gift I can't have. I can have it, and so can you. Now, I'm going I'm to linger here just for a second. We're justified because of blood. God pre- uh, presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. I have often wondered, as 21st century Americans, the idea of a blood sacrifice is really off-putting. And so when I was a kid, we'd, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And there's a fountain of crimson flowing. And it's like, oh, man, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the tune. Uh, But anyway, we sang these songs about blood. (laughs) It was like, are we a vampire cult? I mean, I don't even know what we are. And so it feels creepy, the whole thing. And then I read something this week or a couple weeks ago, and it really, it kind of, it's like, Ah, click. It makes sense. So let's go back to Adam and Eve. Um, God creates Adam and Eve, and the world is perfect, and everybody's in great relationship, and the animals get along, and the people get along, and they're communing with God, and it's awesome. And then Eve is tempted, and Adam goes along with it, and then this happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, or as we say, naked. Uh, So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They made coverings for themselves. And it's sort of symbolic of I'm trying to solve my own problem of sin. My eyes are opened, I know I'm a sinner. I should do something to fix this problem. That's what they're thinking. Guess what? That's what we think. I did something. I should fix this problem. So they sewed fig leaves together. Fig leaves aren't evidently a very good covering. I'm really glad it doesn't say poison ivy leaves. Woo. Uh, so they sewed fig leaves and in the South, sometimes you'll go to a restaurant and it'll say, uh, no shoes, no sir- shirt, no service. Uh, in the restaurants around Adam and Eve, it said, wearing leaves, just leave. Uh, so that was a whole lot funnier in my mind. I, I know. It's like, oh, that's going to kill him, and it really didn't. So thank you for the token laugh, uh, but it really isn't that good. All right, so the Lord stepped in. These guys, Adam and Eve, they make their own apparel out of fig leaves. And God steps in and made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Now, something unprecedented happened then. I don't know if you ever thought about it. This is the record of the very first death. The very first death. Adam and Eve had never experienced death. They'd never even thought about death. They'd never even conceived of death. I mean, we we experience death all the time. Loved ones die. We read about death. It, It happens every day. But not for Adam and Eve. All of a sudden, they go from everything is perfect to I've sinned and now there's blood 
on our hands. Because the animal that gave the skin for the garments, well, that was Adam's responsibility. Adam was given, he was commissioned to name them. He was commissioned to care for them. This was his job. These animals were in his care, and now some of them, one of them, well, it's died because of Adam's sin. For the very beginning, sin and blood have gone together. And then it continued. Look at Leviticus. There was a, a, like a rule. The blood of an animal gives it life. You must put the blood on the altar. God has given the blood to you to atone for your sins. It makes your life right again because of the blood. And death is ugly, and it's brutal, and we don't like to talk about this whole notion of, okay, well, there's power in the blood. But Hebrews tells us, the book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So even in the Old Testament, God was saying, there's coming a day when the only way, well, the only way to ever cover sin is through the blood. An animal, the blood of animals, it lasts, but it doesn't last forever. So there's coming a day when there will be a perfect blood sacrifice for your sins. We're justified by grace, we're justified by blood, we're justified by faith. To be received by faith. And I'm going to say something to you, and I need you to really listen. Justification is the wiping out of your record. So let's say you were a juvenile delinquent. I see several of you here. Uh, so you were a juvenile delinquent, and you perhaps did some things. By the way, uh, if there were cameras when I was a kid like there are now, I would have been uh, probably put away as well. I did some things. Good grief. I, I can't believe the stuff I did. I look back at that and go, gosh, that was really dumb. So you're a juvenile delinquent and you commit a crime, and the judge orders you on probation, or maybe you go someplace. And the idea is, once you turn 18, your record can be sealed or, or removed. And it can't be reopened. That's the idea behind justification. And Paul says, okay, we are justified... We, we are not just forgiven. Our slate is wiped clean when we put faith in Jesus. It is amazing to think about. In fact, it will blow your mind if you really think about it. Because if you've placed your faith in Christ, right at this moment, you're in perfect standing with God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus right at this moment, all of your sin, not just your past sin, all of your sin is forgiven. It's not, a, it's not like a get-out-of-jail-free card, license to do anything you want to. It's just mind-boggling. But it makes sense. Because the blood of animals, it only lasted for a year, a season. Well, the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Well, it didn't just take care of your past stuff. 
takes care of your present stuff. It takes care of your future stuff. It sets us free. It sets us free. All charges have been dropped. During the Civil War, there was a young man named Roswell McIntyre. Young, he was very young, 16 years old. He was drafted into the New York Cavalry. They were not winning. The Union wasn't winning, and it was desperate. And so they pressed him into service without much training, without much equipment. He was just kind of shoved to the front lines and told, fight. Well, he didn't know what to do, and he's young. And so he, he, he fled. He abandoned his post. He deserted. And a little while later, he was captured and court-martialed and condemned to be executed by a firing squad. 16 years old. McIntyre's mother appealed to President Lincoln. She noted that the boy was young, inexperienced, untrained, that he deserved, needed, maybe deserves not the right word, he needed a second chance. Lincoln's generals, however, urged the president to enforce discipline. They said exceptions would lead to other desertions. We have to make an example of this boy. Lincoln considered and prayed, and then he writes this brilliant line. I've observed that it never does a boy much good to shoot him. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) And he wrote this letter in his own handwriting. This letter will certify that Roswell McIntyre is to be readmitted into the New York Cavalry. When he serves out his required enlistment, he will be freed of any charges of desertion. The letter is in the um, Library of Congress. McIntyre served valiantly. He died at the Battle of Little Five Forks in Virginia. I've observed that it never does a boy much good to shoot him. Everybody needs a second chance. A third chance, a fourth chance. So Paul ends this section like this. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Our church exists to help people discover the freedom, the true freedom, which can only be found in Christ. We don't have to live with guilt and shame. When we have faith in Jesus, we have freedom. We have freedom. Father, thank You for the gift of Jesus. 
the sacrifice that had to be made on our behalf because You love us. I pray, Father, that we would embrace this, that it would become who we are. Help us, Lord, to internalize faith in Christ is all it takes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.